to Inner Bloom, a podcast about how to live a happier, healthier, more harmonious life as you learn how to work with the universe, reconnect with your intuition, and bloom from within. I'm Alexa, a writer, producer, and EFT practitioner with a passion for all things metaphysical. And with me is my friend and co-host, Ambie. I'm Ambie, a physical therapy assistant, mom of three, an intuitive medium who has been communicating with the spirit world since the age of five. Some might call it woo-woo, but from our perspective, anything is possible, and we intend to normalize the abnormal by sharing our own life experiences as well as intuitive insights, channeled material, wisdom from special guests, and any other resources we believe will help our souls expand and thrive. Hello, all you bloomers. Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Alexa, and with me is my co-host, Ambrosia. What's up, girl? What up, everybody? How's it going? Happy Friday. I forgot what day of the week it's it was. It's Friday. It's like summertime over here right now. Yeah. What's the weather? What's the like temperature? 80-something degrees. Oh, I like it. It's like 75 over here. Not too shabby for Not too shabby. We'll do, donkey. We'll do. Wait, that's <laughs> not do. even right. That'll, That'll do. do. Thank you. <laughs> Night. Almost. Almost. You were close. <laughs> um, yeah, so today is our third week in our Relationship April series with uh, relationship expert Colleen Coles, and we're so excited to have her back. Um, but before we get into – our lesson for this week. Let us thank our amazing Patreons, Whitney Kanika, Tiffany Polito, Thea Cynthia De Silva, Tammy Lip, Sheena Bowen, Sarah Meehan, Renee Hart, Nike, Mimi Abnetter, Melanie Larson, Marlena Brazil, Mandy Ford, Lisa Perez, Nina Stadler, Kim Bartel, Kellyanne Bates, Kasha Boshnievich. Jamie Witch, Jenny McMahon, <laughs> Jamie Edwards, Heather Keeper, Grace, Dana McFadden, Cheyenne Carroll, Charm City Foster Mama on Instagram, Kara Miranda, Bex Boo, Alex Ladieri, and Adonica Haskell. Yeah, so like some of – even today I got a new pronunciation. The pr- new pronunciations are coming in all the time, so I'm constantly <laughs> working on it to, to represent you as accurately as humanly possible. I'm literally – I've never been more happy that I don't have to read something in front of people as me trying to read other people's names. Well, as you can notice, like I really slowed down. So I had to – But you're doing a really good job. I just want to say. You're so supportive. I'm here for you. You're doing a really good job with it. And I think a lot of us have that fear of reading out loud. So I don't – Good job. I never had that fear. Well, then you're the appropriate person to read names out loud. (laughs) Yes. So thank you all so much as always. And um, yeah, without further ado, let's just get into it. Colleen, what's up, girl? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going awesome. How are you? Good. I'm really well. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to dive in today. We're so excited too. Seriously, like as we were talking about off air, it's like, it really is like it's so exciting that we do these that we're doing these monthly topics because I feel like it really gives us time to like not only have a lesson like that you're downloading into us, but it's 
like the universe then gets to download the lesson into us over and over Mm. again for that whole month. It's just like you can't not see things everywhere and realize like, oh, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's like an intensive, um, which is the best way to grow, I think, in terms of learning. So yeah. Totally. (laughs) So what are we getting into today? Okay. So, you know, as a relationship expert, purpose alignment coach, um, what I want to help people do is feel fully authentically themselves and confident to be who they are in whatever capacity that is. So if it's in relationship, if it's in what they're doing in the world, if it's just how they're acting at a social party, like they can feel confident being themselves and doing good work in the world. So part of that alignment is to really have the bravery to have your thoughts meet your emotion, meet your actions in the world, or more so thoughts, meet your words, meet your actions so that everything's really clear. And that's Mm -hmm. what gives momentum to really manifest. But why are we manifesting? To have a great life. So when there's a piece off where, for example, maybe you're with your boyfriend or your partner and you just really want to tell him something he said bothered you yesterday, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, that's really stupid. I shouldn't say that. Or he won't get it. And there's this moment you're in the kitchen. He's like kind of there listening. You can say it, but then he walks away and you say it's fine. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like a thorn in this flow of alignment, because now you're thinking about that, you might be thinking about it for another day or so, and it just builds rather than letting that flow out, or being who you are in even tough moments like that. So then you can redirect your energy towards helping other people what matters most to you, um, and being a tool for the universe to do good work on the planet. So with all of that said, what I want to talk about today is something that I have found as kind of a major thorn for people who are empaths, for women who um, have a sincere desire to help other people um, make a difference and are also spiritual, and that is codependency. So what is interesting about this is how it shows up in relationships first, but in my experience and seeing it through my clients I work with, that is also what holds people back from just doing what they really want to do or even knowing what they really want to do. So that's why it's so awesome. And so we're going to talk about that today. Awesome. I'm stoked. <laughs> okay. Yes. You're, cool. so, you're so wise and I love everything you're saying. Keep going. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. All right. So um, for me growing up, personally, I didn't have severe trauma. Um, I didn't have terrible parents. Um, But as I got older, I still had a lot of insecurity. I felt overwhelming sense sometimes of taking things personally, of um, just feeling other people's tension and not being able to think it wasn't my fault. Um, Second guess myself in relationships, have a terrible time making decisions and thinking like, even like, I wasn't doing enough for God, like just not enoughness. So even though as an adult, I realized I didn't have any severe trauma, I also was thinking I shouldn't be worried so much. You know, there's nothing really wrong with me. I shouldn't be the way I am. Um, But something I've come to realize, like, 
for example, why is it so hard for me to speak up when I just want to speak up? Why is it so hard for me to really relate and open up to my husband rather than work all the time? So all of these little things kept showing up that were triggering to me. But the first thing I just want to share with everybody here is whether we've had severe trauma or not, that all is just defined by how we take it in our person. So for example, my parents were um, got divorced when I was three. You know, I think it's like 55% of couples get divorced. And so I was like, that shouldn't be a big deal. That's like half of everybody, right? But the thing with trauma is not what the thing is or how prevalent it is. Because that's just comparing ourselves to like a sixth society, like I think The Course in Miracles Mm. says. Mm. It's really more about honoring our own journey and looking at what is it that we want to grow out of. For me, it was a fear of speaking up. And again, I was like, but why does that matter? And well, it's because the way that we've grown up are with people who then learn from their people how to relate to each other, typically in a right or wrong way mentality in a way that you weren't allowed to speak up or if you had an angry parent or another parent who always was trying to please you or please another, that's what you're going to be imprinted with. So all of that to say, if you know, you're listening and you're like, I shouldn't feel this bad. Like the, the thing I want to say here is just that this thing called codependency can come up. It can totally really kind of derail your life in a way because it's keeping you distracted from what you really are and what you want to do. Um, And it doesn't have to mean you went to Iraq in 2005 and come back with PTSD. It can really mean that this shows up because you had an angry parent or because um, like me, your parents got divorced and you were trying to figure that out. What, or even, um, I mean, right before we were recording, you're like, I don't like my hair this way because I was, you know, made fun of as a kid. That little stuff like that and how we take it are what create our blueprints. And those are the things that can really just get in the way. So um, what is codependency? Okay. Codependency is this um, experience where we think that it's my responsibility to take on your emotions it's also kind of to say that it's my job to fill your cup and it's your job to fill my cup. Okay. Mm. So it's this tendency to feel like there isn't a boundary between you and other people. And so when somebody gets upset or is in pain, you immediately typically think it's your fault. And also how can I change that? And so it also goes to then being, I want this person to feel better. So you try to make them not feel the pain, right? Because with a codependent, you're not independent. You think and feel you are that person. So when they feel pain, you're going to feel pain. And nobody wants to feel pain. So you're going to like, you know, slide in and try to make them feel better. The Mm -hmm. other side of that too, is when we feel like we can't live without that person. Because if they are who we are, and we're responsible for them, or it feels on the flip side, they're responsible for us, like I can't live without them, then we're really afraid to speak up. (laughs) We're really afraid to rock the boat. And that can show up in our romantic relationships, that can show up in how we work with other people. And it can definitely show up in our family dynamic, because that's where we learned it anyway. So um, yeah, codependency is just 
um, a tendency of thinking that I'm responsible for other people. Basically, another small way is I can't be happy until you're happy, right? So we'll all the time put ourselves down. And a lot of times the way this kind of manifests is where it's, it's <laughs> I'm going to read off a list of some identifiers to, to, to help everybody like see, um, but it just can show up in so many places in our romantic relationships, uh, being indecisive, feeling like you're walking on eggshells, taking things personally, trying to be the savior, trying to be who somebody else would want you to be. And obviously with that going on, we can't be our true selves, right? Like yeah. it's just way too wobbly. The other piece of that too is that our identity is within somebody else. So it almost turns into an addiction for and like for somebody else in our life because we feel like we can't stand on our own. We can't live on our own because our identity is outside of ourselves. Well, what happens if something happens to that other person? Or we give all of our power to that person to make us happy. And then they're a human being and they do something that doesn't, we're going to feel shattered or broken. Mm. Yeah. So it's putting our identity in something else outside of ourselves into somebody else to the point where it leaves us feeling super low with self-esteem and also very shaky in ourselves um, because we almost become addicted to that person, just like an alcoholic might be addicted to alcohol right? They think they, they're dependent on it. They think they can't live without it. A codependent in a severe form is where you're addicted to another person and you think you cannot live without them. So it totally shifts how we live our life, right? The truth is we're all whole and complete. We can survive. We have the power within ourselves, but it can just take some reprogramming um, to, to get out of that. But the result of it is that that's when you feel on top of the world because you don't care what other people think of you. That's when you post the thing or you make the blog and you finally do the things you want to do because you're like, F that, I don't care. Like anybody, like it doesn't even matter if nobody reads this. And those are the things that typically blow up anyway because we're, t we're speaking truth and you're living out what's in alignment for you. Or even better, that's when you totally attracting people who are resonating with you. Because in my training, um, a book I loved was called A Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. And he talks about how a healthy relationship is not where there's two empty cups filling each other up. That just gets really exhausting. Or one full cup with another, like, you know, the woman filling up the other guy's cup. She's going to get really resentful. I want to talk about later, too, how this shows up, like the two dynamics. It, it, it works under, but the real way that a healthy relationship can grow is where there's two full people knowing they're whole and complete on their own. The person on the side is nice. They love them, but they don't necessarily need them. Okay, and there's an author, um, let's see where to go. Yes, Kenzie, Ken Hayes Jr., and he wrote Higher Consciousness Handbook. And he just says, if there's a feeling that your happiness is at stake in any given situation, you've probably created an addiction. Mm. Yeah, well, there's a difference, yeah, between needing something and wanting it. So when we're feeling whole and complete in a relationship and you come to the table with that, then it's nice that that person's there. You love them. You want them. There is no need for them to be there. Like if they left, if my husband Michael left me, I would be really sad. I'd be pretty devastated, but I know I could still live. Like 
I'd still be able to be an independent person. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like two rock climbers helping each other up this mountain. That's their own mountain to climb, but without expectation that they need to stand and belay the other for longer, you know, like it's more two full people. That's what can create the best relationships. And when we're being our full authentic person, that's when we attract in somebody else to really match us because they're not being attracted to our, our mask. They're not being attracted into our fears. They're being attracted into our wholeness, into our vibrancy, and they can then grow with us together. So well said. Thank you. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot resonating there yeah. for sure. Like I'm imagining so many situations in my life and all the codependent, like, yeah, it really is interesting. And I mean, and if you are in a codependent relationship, I feel like as well, it becomes like challenging because like, it's like as you begin, even if you begin to work on yourself, like the fear of like you becoming whole and complete, saying like if you you know what I mean? Like we can get stuck in these. It's it's like a holding pa- – it can be a holding pattern sometimes. Do you, Do you mean like – yeah, like where it's almost you have – this is what I heard you say is that when you're in a relationship, it can almost be scary to grow and become whole and complete? Yeah, exactly. Because I think a lot of us – I mean, I don't think any of us – I think – Obviously, it's possible to be like, you know, the best version of yourself in that moment, right? And then attract someone. But obviously, we're all learning and growing constantly. So we're never going to be like complete and 100% perfect. Um, But, you know, so all of us definitely have had, you know, I feel like, yes, I think it can be scary for a lot of us to grow in relationships. I think this is the reason why um, a lot of us, you know, because – even though we think it's just our fear, really it's wrapped up in the fear of what's going to happen with everyone else. Well, if this is the way the relationship has always been, so if I grow, are they going to come? Are they going to – and it's that – I mean it goes back to the, what you're talking about. It's like this – because because the whole reason why that is a fear to begin with is because like you said, it's the idea that if I lose this person, life is over. Right. Yeah, and one of our most innate fears – Um, I would say the biggest driving fear that we have is the fear of abandonment, that they'll leave me. And so that's how we've survived so far. And so when we bring that out into adulthood, it can be hard to realize we'll be okay without those people. Now, what I think is interesting about what you shared, Alexa, is like, I've definitely had those fears, even growing in my own like nuclear family. And then, um, and and in my relationship, like in my special, in my um, romantic relationships, it's really scary to even like, I was afraid that just becoming more of myself, I would leave him behind, or he wasn't growing as fast. Um, and that's something even next week, I want to talk about more about, you know, how to renegotiate contracts. Like when we have grown up in a family or grown up with certain people, and then we shift because we want to grow. It doesn't mean we have to necessarily lose them. It might just mean we lose our identity of who we were in that group. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, but when I think we have the courage to grow, what's really interesting to you guys, like just speaking transparently, the way that I would relate to my husband, Michael, was 
There's, yeah, so two stories. So one story is that the way I would relate to Michael was where, um, you know, we had a loving relationship. And like, when we first met, it was like, super great, like a lot of relationships. And then going into it, I just felt so scared to really show him who I was. And this fear of intimacy is also a component of codependency, because also it's an avoidance and it's a tendency to run. So this tendency to run and an avoidance of intimacy definitely play out where it's like we're afraid to show those vulnerable sides. And it can also be the flip side. Like when we're really growing into who our, who our person is, like that on itself has to deal with our vulnerabilities or we can't grow past our shadows and stuff or integrate our shadows. But I remembered this one dude. Okay, I'm going to tell the story. So like... I, so, um, I am currently pregnant and once I got pregnant, it was a surprise. It was really scary at first. And, um, for me, after all the work I've done, it was so triggering with like my parents' divorce and in my head, I kind of knew like, okay, so Michael and I are married, but like in the back of my mind, I was like, I could always get out of this. Like we don't have any kids. It won't affect anybody. If I'm growing too fast or if he's whatever, like the, the story was, because I kind of kept that edge. I kind of kept like this, I got my shit together edge and like I need to bring you along with me kind of a mentality, um, much more in my masculine. Then I could still drop him like if, if I needed to. But with being pregnant, I was like, oh, my God, like what's going to happen now? Like my biggest goal is to never get a divorce for children. And now we have a child. Mm -hmm. And this, this, this fear just kept building and building in my body and like, (sighs) my soul and my brain, where it was finally to this point, it felt like, it felt like those really scary conversations you have, like before you break up with somebody, because I just didn't know how he was going to take it. And like, I was just like, this is it. We're all going to die. Like, bye, 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 bye relationship. And he was just saying something that so triggered me. And it was, I was like, you are the stupidest person in the world. I need somebody who's smart. I need somebody at my pace, all this stuff. But I finally came and talked to him and was just like, Mike, like, I'm really afraid. Like, we're just going to get a divorce. You know, we might as well just get a divorce now. Yeah. And you know what he said? He was like, well, if that's how you feel, I don't need you. So if you need to go, you can go. I don't want you to be with me with just because you think you have to. And I was like, what? And it was like (laughs) the most turning on thing he could have possibly said that then I was like, wow, like, cause I thought you did. And like, and he was just like, we can work these things out or, and, and it, he was just being honest, but the fact that he didn't need me felt so good. I was like, okay, I'm not dragging you around. And to voice that fear when I thought it was so real was just like, oh my God, of course I wouldn't need to. And I brought up all the other fears. Like what would happen if, you know, down the line we change? He's like, then we'll change. It's like, oh my God, like the freedom, the freedom to be who we are, the freedom to change, the freedom to speak was then we had the best sex of our life. So (laughs) all that to say, it's like, I don't know where I was going with that. Just the fear, the fears that come up and like to grow. Can I, can I piggyback on that? Like, so it's funny because I was just in New York and visiting some friends that 
actually one of my, my best friend growing up who I who just even that best friend I've had like a very codependent relationship with growing up. Um, but anyway, we were seeing one of our other friends and um, we were just talking about like his relationships and how he's he's very he's he was talking about how he and his partner are like they're in a monogamous relationship, but it's like you know it's kind of open as well, but they don't call it that, but they're just like open. And he was – I was like, wow, like we were talking about how uh, he's like, yeah, I love it. Like I'm super open to that. Like it's him that's like a little more like, you know, reserved when it comes to that stuff. Like we're we're just constantly shifting and evolving and talking about it and figuring out what works for us and whatever. So then I was talking – I was sharing with him about how like – see, it's funny because in my partnership, in my relationship – I feel like I have like these two different sides of me, right? There's this one side that I can feel comes out when I go to like Burning Man or something or anything that's like in where I'm in a very high vibration and I'm in a place with lots of very interesting people. This side of me comes out. I can feel it's very authentic and it's like I just want everyone to be free. Like I just want – including my partner. Like I want him to do what he wants to do. Like I don't want to – I literally want that. And then there's this other part of me and it's like I literally feel like these two parts are just going like this all the time. This other part of me goes, no, like, but you, oh my God, like what, it's the abandonment like comes up immediately like terror and like, oh my God, but what if someone replaces you? Like what if, like how can you, it's it's this simultaneous desire to, like you said, kind of like open the door in our own way, be free in certain ways. And then this other piece of me that I can feel is from deep like childhood wounding of like what if like I'm abandoned? What if I'm left behind? What if I don't have a person anymore? What if someone takes my person, you know? And I was just expressing how like it's so painful these two parts going like this all the time. Because it's, it's like – it just feels like the second I start to feel into this part, this part comes up and is like, no, 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 like very strong. And and so that's all just to say it's like really interesting how – I don't even know. I don't know exactly where I'm going with that. Just like I think I, – no, I don't know where I'm going with that. You can diagnose where I was going with that, but <laughs> – well, it just reminds me of my first experience of modeling, of, of seeing somebody model what you're talking about. And it was actually at a music festival called Lightning in a Bottle. And I was just coming out of being super Catholic and venturing out a little bit. And this woman came on stage who was, she was like a medium and um, she wore this huge furry coat and it was only like 70 degrees outside and feathers <laughs> and she was on stage and she her I can't remember her name. It was like Star Child or something. So she was on Star Child was on stage and in her big furry coat. And she was just talking about relationships and how her own guides, you know, were guiding her to to integrate what um, felt cold to her when she always preferred heat. Um, and just seeing that other side to integrate it. And she was looking at her partner and realizing that if I and she was saying this for all of us, that if if we feel like we actually love a person the most, then if I tr- that would mean I would truly want the best for them. So if that person goes off and even cheats on us, 
It's in our highest. It's like the highest unconditional love to allow them to do that. It doesn't mean we have to stick around, mm-hmm. you know, and first, if a man or a woman were to get attracted to somebody else and find even a better relationship in that, it's kind of like, well, if I'm going to be sincere in saying I'm unconditionally loving and I want the best for them, that would be the best for them. And I'd want to be happy. It's a, and, and it's obviously a tall order, but I had my own experience with that too, where it was two years ago, New Year's Eve. And I saw my husband, Michael dancing with this brunette and they both looked so happy and they both <laughs> so cute. And I was like, this is what Michael would look like if he ever got with a brunette. Like I'm blonde. And like, I was like, they look so cute. And for some reason, I don't know what it was, but I was just sincerely happy for them. And I thought of star child. I saw, I thought of that. And I was like, you know, even if Michael and I didn't like to have that sense of stability within to know there's more people out there, but it's not about I think, you know, it's really wise for you to say, Alexa, like, that's your own wounding. That's your own abandonment stuff. That doesn't have to do with your partner. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we can overcome that sometimes is one way that I have is just to reconnect with that little girl inside who was abandoned and remind her and talk with her that she has you. One of the ways that my codependency can show up is in when people don't need me. So if P, if if I think I upset somebody and then they're like, no, I didn't, I actually kind of freak out because I'm just like, well, what can I do to fix your life? Like, yeah. what, can, <laughs> what can I do to be your savior? And when I realized that that was going on, I like one of my mentors, she was just like, you know, just talk to that little girl inside. And I realized the fear, the belief was that I need you. And how I turned it around to that little girl was like, I need me. I need me. So when I feel shaky and I feel like that abandonment coming up or I feel like, oh my God, like I really need to have my miracle morning. But, you know, my sister on my vacation right now is saying she wants to talk to me. What do I do? I could go and have a talk, even though then later I'd probably feel weird about it. But when I tune into that little girl and think I need me, Oh, that gives so much clarity. I need me to show up for the people in my life I'm here to serve. I need me so that I'm in my fullest strength and I need to go get ready for these people or I need to do my miracle morning. Clear decision making. So I think that can work. I have my little, I made this little thing for the video. I mean, just this was like my new little. I love that. It just says, I need me. Like, so when I get nervous that people don't need me or like, um, whatever, however it would show up for any of us, it's just like returning back and turning it around to integrate in what we think that person is giving us anyway. I love that because today I was, and thank you for sharing all that because it, it helps a lot. And I was, today I was, I was realizing like a big theme in my life is this belief that like I don't have help or something. Like, I don't have help. And so then I'm always see- trying to seek out someone who's, like, going to help. Like, whether it's, like, that special person you mm-hmm. mentioned in the first – like, it's always, like, I'm trying to seek it the help outside of myself because, like, there was this younger version of me that felt like, I don't have help. Like, no one's helping me. And realizing that all the times I felt best in my life is when I felt like someone or something was helping. Even if it really wasn't, it was just like a permission slip. It was like something I said like, oh, now I feel good. Like now 
this is helping so I can relax. It, but it was really me the whole time. So uh, I like that because I can use that too. Like I like I need me. That totally resonates with me. But also like I can help me. Like, hey. like I am helping me. I'm really the only one who can help me. I'm the only one who can accept it, even if someone else is coming in to help. Like, I'm, only, I'm the only one who can be open to accept it, you know? Yeah. So. Really beautiful. Yeah. Um, Amy, do you want to share anything? <laughs> I can keep going. I just want to be sensitive. I, I've, like, kept, I've kept myself muted because there's a lot of background noise over here on my end. So, um, yeah, no, I really like everything that you're saying. And I know that I have codependent things going on like all of us do. I think it's interesting what I have realized that I am really good at is I'm getting better at not doing it is when I meet someone new, right? Like a friend, I tell them all my shit up front. Here's all of my (laughs) shit. And then if you want to be my friend, cool. And then if you don't, then that's fine too, because I don't need you anyway. So it's like this very clear defense mechanism that says, Here's all the bad stuff about me right up front. Okay, cool. Bye. See you later. And I realized, like, why do you do that? Because you don't want to let people close because you think they're going to hurt you. So what if you let them close and then they didn't hurt you? What if you took a chance? So I feel like I'm getting better at that. But it's also, it comes, it's very lonely when that happens, you know? Totally. And I feel like I've had friends who, when they were dating, they would do that. Mm-hmm. And Brene Brown calls it floodlighting. So it's when you, you, I used to do this on my dad too. Like I would just tell people everything and be like, yeah. and then when I was four, my dad left and like, just like, yeah. and they're like, I just learned your name. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So I uh, just asked where the bathroom was. I right? don't even know like what's happening right now. And so that can still obviously come from a place of insecurity because yeah. you're just trying to find, you know, good footing. Um, and it's also, <laughs> I mean, a little unnecessary and rude too. Like that's why crowd yeah. calls it floodlighting. It's like somebody on stage just taking their shirt off and showing them everything. And they're like, whoa, like. Yeah. I didn't need to know that that was more for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. And the other words that come up are like the preemptive strike. So we get, I don't, I don't always like to just frame it in laws of attraction here, but at the same time, everything's energy and we're giving out a certain energy. So whether we think we're totally giving out our strength and it's a defense in like a, a like sharp way, or if it's this defense mechanism through a preemptive strike, it's actually coming from a place of hurt and fear. So we're probably just going to attract in people like that. Yeah. So again, yeah, I mean, the first step is awareness. And then to realize, again, like you have it, obviously, that's not just like a cookie cutter answer thing to do. Like, I think it's great to have awareness around that. And to play with even like, when we don't use those as mechanisms and see what happens. Sometimes to find balance is just to do the opposite, to see that you're okay. Mm. Like really integrate the other piece and see like, did I die? Like you didn't, and you can be okay with both. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because like strength is in you, we, as 
person with codependent tendencies, we think that our survival is outside of us. It's not, it's really not. It's just hard to really imagine that until we show our ego that we will not die if they leave or we will not. Do you think that everyone has codependent tendencies on some level? That's such a great question. I remember, <laughs> I remember going through um, counseling, learning about codependency and then be like, okay, so I just feel like it'd be totally rare for people to not, um, it's actually kind of a more new concept. It only started to become a piece of study in psychology in the 70s and 80s after, yeah, after Alcoholics Anonymous was getting more attention, um, drug abuse in the 70s. But they started to see different trends and traits with people who were the either child of an alcoholic or drug dependent person or the spouse of. So it was interesting, like there were certain traits that started to come up. And so, yeah, so to me, it feels like if anybody has had um, either like an oppressive type of upbringing, um, if anybody has had a feeling of not thinking you can share your truth, like, yeah, I think, I think, honestly, like 90% of the population would have codependent tendencies. Not everybody. I remember working with this server who just said what she wanted to say. She had this edge to her and just me and her, I was like, you know, I really respect you for that. And you just say what you want and you don't care what other people think. She's like, I mean, yeah, that can go both ways because it almost felt like she had turned off the sensitivity. So, but for some reason I was like, well, I don't think she has codependent behavior. Like, I think it's the way that we're brought up, but as I'm hoping that more, the more that we talk about it, the more that, we allow ourselves to do what we really want. That's what will start to heal. So yeah, to answer your question, I feel personally, a lot of people would have it like 90% of the population. Um, I do want to take some time to you guys to like read off a couple points so that people can say, can I also just before we move on, just say about that point, it's like what was coming up for me was I, I feel like it's a new concept that people are just starting to understand because honestly, several years ago even, it almost – I mean, in my memory, I feel like that's what I thought we were supposed to do. Like it was commonly accepted for – it's like we were taught that, like take care of this person or – we talked about it before. Like make sure this person doesn't feel bad. Make sure, you know, like look after – even just like my brother's keep – I am my brother's keeper. I keep hearing that. I know it's like a – is that a Bible thing? A Bible thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's something. It's like some no judgment, but I know like some parents raise their kids and say, "You are your brother's keeper. Like you mm-hmm. are responsible for whatever happens to your brother. So if your brother gets in a fight, you go get in that fight. Like you bring you bring your brother home safe." And on one hand, it's so sweet. Like it's sweet. I get that it's coming from a sweet place in a way, but on the other, because it's like family is everything. Like I get that. But on the other hand, it's like these types of teachings embedded in society that make us think that codependency is normal and that like that's totally. what we should be reinforcing, but it's not. And that's why it can be so hard to reprogram ourselves. Yeah. Because I yeah, you're right. Like I think it's what has been expected or like I thought I was supposed to be nice. Like I thought I was supposed to not say what I needed so that everybody else got what they needed or not um, be selfish. Like not be, I'm yes. not to be like selfish. sharing toys, for yeah. example. Yeah. 
So like, by the way, you just blew my mind, Alexa, but sharing toys, for example, like my kids won't share with each other sometimes because that's normal. And so sometimes, not all the time, I'm doing the best that I freaking can, but sometimes I'll be like, wait until they're done with it. He doesn't have to give it to you right now because you want it. Like that's unrealistic because you're putting, I feel like you're putting, okay, I'm putting my need, your needs in front of mine. And that's not nice. Like you don't get that just because you want it. You've got to wait your turn. You've got to wait. So, and you don't have to give up your toy just because they want it. Wait until you are done playing with it. Wait until you're done using it. That's, Sometimes. And sometimes I'm like, deal with it yourself. I'm done. I'm out. (laughs) It just depends. It's like a balancing act. Who knows? Yeah. And what's interesting about this whole conversation and like for the first time I met a parent who I would say is not codependent. She was like, Colleen, read this book baby wise. It'll help you see how to put yourself in the center and your kids revolve around that Mm -hmm. rather than your kids being born and then you revolving around them and thinking, Mm. you know, Oh, they're awake. I have to be awake. Or like, I don't know if we can go out. Like she was just saying, no kids came into your life that you don't have to necessarily. There's this train of thought that I agree with that. You don't have to revolve your life around your children because actually (laughs) that's a lot of pressure on your children. And that's blowing my mind right now. Go ahead. Keep going. And So it's kind of like, you know, no, you don't get endless choice for what you want at McDonald's or whatever. Okay. Um, (laughs) It's like you get to go. (laughs) We get it. Not not McDonald's. Yeah, we get it. I don't like Yeah, we get it. We get it. So it's like you get to have like the three choices at, you know, like we're eating what we're eating and you get to eat it too. Like, do you want potatoes or broccoli? Because that's what's on the table. Like there's no choice. So when I, I met this woman who was telling me about this and her daughters were right there. They were grown up. They're 18 years old. And she was fitting everything that I knew about codependency, but she let her daughters experience it from like zero to now. And I was like, holy moly. And what's so cool is that they, so basically, yeah, they weren't put at the center of this mom's universe. She was the universe and they revolved around her. But what's so freeing for a child about that is how they don't have to make all the decisions. They don't have to be the parent. They don't have to suffer, suffer from indecision because they have endless options. Like, mm. right? So it's more. <sighs> oh my God, you're now you're blowing my mind because a huge theme in my life, Colleen and Ambie, is this is like such a vivid memory from my childhood where my parents would be working a lot. They would finally be home on a weekend and then they'd be like, all their energy would be on me finally because they'd been gone so long. They would feel so guilty, I think. Like, and so they would want again to really mm-hmm. like make me feel they were there and that I could do what – I could use the time however I want. So every weekend they'd be like, okay, we're here now. What do you want to do? And I lost my mind every single weekend. I still on the weekends lose my mind sometimes with my partner. And I've mentioned this on a past episode I think where I'm not over that still. Like because I remember feeling so overwhelmed and like no decision was going to be the right decision. No decision was going to be good enough. And it would be finally turn into my parents being like, okay, do you want to go to the movies? No. 
do you want to go play mini golf? No. Do you want to do this? No. Start crying. And then finally they'd be like, they had had exhausted every option. They'd be like, you know what? And it would turn to a fight every time. They'd be like, oh. and then I would cry more. And then it would be like half the weekend we'd be spent fighting. So that Aww. just blew my mind right there because it wasn't that all the t- – but yeah, like a lot of the time my parents did make me kind of like the center of just – I think they thought that was a good thing to do. I think they thought that was showing me that they loved me. And of course, like they loved me, but it was so much pressure, absolutely, to make those decisions. Yeah, totally. And so I think what you're hitting on here is how we learn to do the same thing. Like not only, oh, by the way, you guys, I'm I'm reading another good book I'd really recommend. It's called What God Wants by Neil Donald Walsh. Love Mm. him. Yeah. So what God wants. And what's so fascinating about this is that the way that like even those parents, your those your parents are parenting, it was like, and then the way they were parented, those come from even our ideas of what God wants and like who God is. And so right and wrong and um, what we should do or we shouldn't. And so with this feeling of I'm my brother's keeper, or I had a client who, man, it was like, really interesting how it actually spurred kind of an eating disorder a little bit where she was like, I just remember in my church camp reading, it's God, then others, then self. Mm. So the way yeah. that she was doing her, her eating was how the, the pair, I was like, so in your eating condition that you want to heal here, what is it? Who is God? And she's like, it's all the books I've read. It's the health gurus. You know, who's the others? Those are the people around me that I think are going to judge me. If I'm too skinny or too fat, who's you? You're at the bottom. So what we were trying to do is flip that around so she could put her own intuition and own authority out to say, like, I want to have this in the morning, like, rather than what the gurus say. So when, you know, I hear that story with your parents, they were probably trying to do the best they could and thought that as good parents, we need to make our daughter happy. Mm-hmm. So what I feel so guilty for being away. It's my fault if she feels abandoned. Well, let's go on the weekend and let her do whatever she wants. And now what's really ironic, especially with codependency, but also just I feel following our purpose, whether it manifests in relationships or our career, is the thing that we think, the thing that we really, really want to do, but it feels super wrong, is typically exactly what needs to happen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's typically yeah. exactly what needs to. So if we're like, well, I just didn't want to say anything because I wanted to be kind. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that you saying that would probably solve the scenario. Mm-hmm. It would it, it would probably help everybody out. So your parents, for example, Alexa, if they, they're like, we want Alexa to be happy and it's our um, job to make her happy as parents. What do you want to do? Actually, what it sounds you needed was a little bit more structure and just like, this is what's happening because we love you. How do you feel about that? And if you had a crying tantrum, it's not your parents' fault. It's how you're taking that and they can create space. They don't have to take on your, uh, your fear, but it sounds like they maybe from your memory, like take on that guilt thinking your sadness is their fault. So now they're going to do everything they can to solve it. We can so be codependent on our children. I'm so codependent on my kids. I know for sure. I've already (laughs) accepted it. I'm trying to move past it. Yeah. So a way that you can move past it is to remember that they are separate human beings and that their happiness or sadness is not your responsibility. It is not in your control. 
your job is to fill your own cup and them fill their cup. That can feel hard when we've been trained. We need to give it all or like we need to put ourselves behind. And so I'm not a parent yet. Like I really understand and sensitive towards like not walking this yet. However, I have seen it done. And I remember one of my teachers like that I just loved and cling to and wanted more of and wanted to become. I remember thinking back now, like she was the first person I met who wasn't codependent on me. She had boundaries. This is what it looks like to not be codependent. She had boundaries. She, you know, whether I liked it or not in my little cup, if I were experiencing rage, sadness, disgust, whatever, we still had to go to lunch at 1115 and the the bus was leaving. Like it didn't matter. And she didn't care. Like she was like, I'm, I remember one time coming in from recess and complaining that like this friend like got mad at me and now I'm upset and it's his fault and you should do something about it. She just looked at me and she's like, "Hmm, I'm sorry. And she's like, go ahead and class. And I was like, what? Like, because my, my role models weren't like that. They were like, you say sorry. You caused her to feel bad. That's too much. You say like, no, no, it's, it's, I'm sorry you're experiencing that way. If we need to have like a chat of where everybody was coming from, let's provide space. But I'm not going to sit there and wait for you to like take this on for me. Yeah. Something yeah. that I, you know what I mean? Like it's, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say like, I was just getting an image of like where that comes from. Like it's like all the kid, past generations who felt like they got bullied or told what to do. So then when they see it happen to some, like their children or the next generation, they feel that it's their job to intervene yeah. and to take on the responsibility and protect them, which is again, in a way, of course, everything is coming from, love, you know, like everyone fear. But at the same time, when you do that for a child, you teach the child that they cannot do it for themselves. And then, and then the child forever feels disempowered and forever thinks that they need others to make them feel good, which is what we're talking about here. Make them. This is so crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm messing up my children so bad. (laughs) (laughs) There's always, we always have a choice in every moment and we can always put it. And those Good. kids can grow up, listen to this podcast, and be on their way. It's going to be messenger. <laughs> I'm going to play you something, listen to it, I'll walk away. Good. But what's interesting on that note, Alexa, is how, like, yes, this disempowering piece um, and how cuckoo it is. Like, I've been studying codependency now probably for, like, four, four years. And at one point, I felt like, okay, I get it. And then another level, I was like, whoa, I get it. And now where I'm at now is, like, not being triggered by it when I see it in my own family dynamics or in my own personal relationships, but embodying it to be like, I'm sorry, you're so upset. I can see this conversation is taking a long time because you're waiting for me to take responsibility for your feelings and I'm not going to do it. Mm. So like the good one. Yeah. The good one. And like with this whole thing about disempowering, it's exact, it's just so fascinating because it's like, it's so simple, right? I don't need anybody. I love them. Like, let's be kind. Um, you know, like I don't need to fill other people's cups up, you know, it's very simple. And yet it comes out in so many weird ways and like so many facets of our life. And it actually is kind of a complex topic because we've taught been been taught like to be kind, you do this for others. Like you push us back and like, 
what really needs to happen sometimes is for you to put a boundary up. That's going to help me. Sometimes when I'm just talking to like, a, um, I work at a community workspace for women in Richmond. And it's like, sometimes I was talking with a friend of mine about codependency. And we were talking about like this podcast coming up. And what was interesting was in my body, I felt like, holy shit, like, I got to get back to work. I got to cut this out. In the past, I would have kept letting somebody talk. Because I'm like, I want to be nice. I want to be nice. Right? right. So I got to be kind. Like, but in this, I was finally like, okay, like walk the talk. Like yeah. it's okay to interrupt people. And I was like, I love our conversation and I have to go now. What's so funny is that she was like, Colleen, thank you so much for saying that. Because sometimes I don't know when to stop talking. Mm, yes. The exact thing people need sometimes. You know what's so mm-hmm. funny on that note is um, – one of our friends, Kasha, who helps with the show and is a listener. And if you're listening, Kasha, we love you so much. But she love helps. You, girl. She helps with our social media. And she, <laughs> so the other day we were working on something. Like sometimes she'll just do what she wants. But like sometimes when we have like we're making a little thing for an interview or something like a little social square. Um, I like want it done a specific way because like I want it done for that person to share. I I know what they like. Like I know kind of how it should be. And so like up until recently, I've been literally scared to be like, hey, like that should actually be this color or this font should be like this or whatever because like I know in my body like that's what I want and that's what that person's going to want and that's what's going to be the best for the situation. And so just recently, I like actually finally said, I was like, by the way, when you make this one, can it be this color? It was a a lot of boundaries, like a lot of just like this, this, this is what I want, this, this, this. And then and I was kind of like nervous after I was like, I've heard in my head like, well, that sounded kind of bossy or like, who do you think you are just demanding all this, you know? And, um, And then Kasha wrote back and was like, yes, like, thank you so much for giving, like, like, I love these instructions. Like, thank you so much for giving me these. Like, yes, boss lady. Like, like this is amazing. <laughs> and she was so excited. And I was just like, oh, like, she's like, thank you for giving me direction. I was like, thank you for taking direction. I honestly was <laughs> nervous that it was too much. And she's like, no, I love this. Like, please keep doing it all the time. And so just going to what you say, it's like, you know, a lot of the time, like you're saying, the thing that we're scared to do is actually the thing that is the best for everyone, even when you think like, oh no, it might hurt this person's feeling or or push across the line. It's actually mm-hmm. like they're probably asking for it in some way. They're asking for that to be given to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And typically, we've been taught to not have a boundary, to not say what we need to be nice, and so we're all just like in our own bubble. We talked about that last time, you know, like just in our bubble and what it means and who like and just floating around, like bouncing off of each other, just waiting for somebody to like kind of pop it and just like direct. But it just reminds me on that. Yeah, the exact. Now, this is what's interesting, too. I noticed from your story, you said it's like what you really wanted, you knew it. So to me, that's like, okay, her, her genius is coming out. And you felt it in your body, too. Mm-hmm. So with things like my litmus test with this to know what to do is like, do I really want to do this? I just feel scared. That's when to do it. That's when to do the thing. Or if it's like a feeling in your body, like an arising kind of like, as I talked to my, I want to call her like a coworker. Um, I felt an arising in my body. Like I have to stop now. <laughs> yeah. 
what I used to think was reality is God. Like reality is talking to me. I follow Byron Katie a lot. I love her tools. So I was like, reality showing me what's real. And so even with clients, like I'd say, okay, we're going to stick to an hour. I have to go do other stuff, but we'd be at like an hour and then an hour 10 and then an hour 20. And I'd be like, well, they're not stopping. Like I can't, <laughs> and they were coming to codependency stuff. So in reality, what I didn't realize was they needed a boundary, but I was too yeah. scared. And so I was like, well, reality was showing they weren't done telling their story. And it wasn't until like my mentor was like, I feel because I wanted, I want life to like lead me. I want to be inspired. I want it to be, I want to be so in flow and like let life lead me. So I was putting life outside of me, (laughs) which codependents tend to do, right? Like identify outside, whether it's a person I was identifying with life outside of me and saying like, well, she wasn't stopped talking. I couldn't stop. Like that's what wanted to have happen. But in reality, well, a different perspective, my mentor, she was like, when you felt it in your body and that little girl inside or that little voice was like, I need to stop. I want to stop. She's like, I would say that's what wanted to come through. Mm. That was life living you. Mm. So Alexa, your life living you was this feeling of like, I need to tell her it's blue, not black. It's green. Like whatever the direction was. And how did you feel after when she, I know there was this like, um, Brene Brown, what is she? Oh, she calls it the vulnerability hangover. We sometimes think like it's an immediate like, whoa! But after, after doing what we do, it's kind of like this space of like, oh my god, like what? Uh, It's like I was seen. Like I showed myself. Uh, It's almost like this. Like, yeah, good. I'm glad we're like. It's that immediate like, oh, awesome! What a good surprise! And then all of a sudden, like, oh no, what if I have to ask for something else? Like. Like, wait, mm-hmm. that might be a little too much. Like, again, then it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a retraction for sure after you're, like, coming out. Mm-hmm. And after that, it, how did you feel even after that point, whether it was because she responded the way she did or not? Um, to speak up. I mean, it felt good to speak up, but literally what I – be what's coming to me now is what I became so aware of is, oh my God, that is not even close to all the, that is like a milligram of the stuff that I need to say or want to say. Mm, or want. Wow. And it scared me, which is why I think I like was like, oh no, because I realize I'm like, oh, there's a lot of things I have opinions about. Like there's a lot of things that I want and I know I want specifically, but I think, and what you're helping me clarify literally in this moment is, um, for so long, she and I, Kasha and I have actually talked. I've been like, yeah, let's have like a meeting about like the brand and like how we're going to like – the fonts we're going to use, the colors we're going to use for everything. And every time we meet, it's like my head goes completely cloudy and I can't see anything and I'm just like – and I get really tired and the whole thing, it's just like it goes nowhere. So in that moment when I had that clarity and I spoke it and then like I said, I think what I sensed was, oh, there's so much more. Meaning Mm -hmm. like I do know exactly, but I'm scared to actually make that decision not only to execute – not only to ask that of someone because I'm – the fear of the bossiness that I was just referencing, but also the fear of making a decision and saying this is the direction that we're going. Like this is it because Mm -hmm. it's like you're saying about just, you know, like even with your relationship in the beginning, that fear of like – it's like – 
you're making it's the commitment. It's the commitment wound, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I definitely like sense like, oh, there's a lot more that wants to come out. There's just this kind of block in front of it that's saying like, well, that's just asking too much or once it starts, it might never stop or you're going to turn into that like demanding, bossy Mm. bitch. (laughs) Yeah. What comes to mind is like you kind of sensed your power. And then you're like, wow, there's a huge sun in there. Like, <laughs> I had no idea. And you're like, oh, my God, that's right. That's too much. It's going to burn people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, that's really cool awareness. Um, what comes to mind when you shared that for me was kind of the dynamics that codependency can play in. So especially when you were like the commitment piece it's really hard for like the antithesis of codependency is boundary. And when we make decisions, that's a boundary. It's a cut. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is that to me, codependency, what's interesting to me is that codependency can kind of show itself in two different dynamics. So it can get a little confusing, but I think we can do it. One way is when I like to call it kind of the savior martyr complex. So this is one where we go in and it's maybe somebody who is more directive, not always because a lot of times codependency is a little bit more passive, but this feeling of like, I need to save them. So they're going to need me back. That can be mine. In fact, I had a client who she said, like, as soon as she started jumping in a relationship, she noticed herself looking for their flaws for her to help them fix them. Like this savior complex. What can happen though is when we're when we're when we're saving others at the expense of ourselves, the martyr, the flip side of that can come out. The martyr of like, I do everything for you, you know, like you don't even care. But it's because that person isn't taking responsibility or the ability to respond to say, I need your help because we're afraid they'll leave us or we're afraid they'll get mad. So there's that aspect, the savior martyr. I think of it kind of like the mom kind of a thing. Like, <laughs> I'm going to save you, right? The other side, though. So, for example, when I've grown up and stuff, I've been like, oh, like, I w- like they were codependent on me. Like, these people were codependent on me. They were trying to save me. They didn't want me to feel bad because they'd feel bad. I get that. And it wasn't until a mentor of mine was like, you were fucking codependent too, bitch. Like you were codependent here too. And I was like, how? So the other aspect of where this can show up is to your point here, kind of this victim dependent, like the victim dependent, innocent one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was me. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was me big time. Yeah. yeah, So it's kind of like, I remember this moment. um, I would come home from college in the summers and I would get home and I just felt like I wasn't at home. There's all this stuff my mom was doing in the house that I didn't like and anybody would know better. And I was just complaining, complaining, complaining. And when we'd go out to eat complaining that like, I couldn't get what I want. Why did she make it such a big deal? What's funny about though. So I was making myself the victim, right? God, I have to stay at this place. I don't even like I have to eat the food. I don't like, why is it such a big deal? But the real question is like, why are you still in it? What's Mm. the payoff here? The truth was I was still in it because I was too afraid to make my own choice. I was too afraid to not be taken care of. Mm. Because in reality, 
both time, like for both people, we have a choice. We always have a choice in every single moment. When I first heard that, that blew my mind. I was like, no, we don't. We have to do what, what's in flow or like what people are telling us to do. So I remember sitting with my, um, my mom and her best friend when I was 23 and I was with them and here I am like kind of playing this old dynamic of being the child and having these decisions made for me. And so we were sitting and we were kind of like shopping and stuff and I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to go home, but I felt I can't say anything. It's rude. I need to be nice, blah, blah, blah. And finally, my mom's best friend, who I would say isn't as confident as other people I know, like she doesn't have that. I don't think she was like, what's wrong? And I was just like, God, I just got so angry and mad that I have to stay here and I can't do what I want because I have to be nice. And she blew my mind when she said, Colleen, nobody's keeping you here. Mm-hmm. Leave. <laughs> and I was, and then that made me scared. But the truth was there was no tether. There were no chains, but I was being this victim. But what was the payout? I get to eat for free. Yeah. Right. I get to stay at my mom's house for free. But when like we have these complaining people, it's, they think they don't have a choice. Just like the savior martyr. They think, well, I now have to go and like take care of this thing for this person. No, you don't. That's your specialness. That's like that's the ego saying I'm special because of this. That makes you very important, doesn't it? When you have mm-hmm. to go save the day. It's mm-hmm. all to you. Did they ask you? No. Well, now I have to go do the work. No, you don't. Like, but the flip side too, is like the victim of like, I don't have a choice and they treat me like this. Well, why are you staying around? Why don't, why don't you go get a hotel? Yeah. <gasps> no, let's go. Bambi, are you the savior martyr or the victim? I think you're the savior. Martyr. I think I'm, you think so? Yeah. Cause yeah, I think, I think I can be both. It can come out in both. different relationships. Yeah. Wait. I, I, I feel like I'm both. You want to hear a funny story though? Yeah. Yes. So I was in college and I'm in the bathroom and there's this shelf, um, where you put your, your stuff. Right. And so I put my, I didn't have a backpack. I just put my books there and I took my wallet and my phone with me in the stall. Cause I'm, I have this weird paranoia. Anyway, it doesn't matter. There's this woman in there and she literally says, it's only me and her in the stall. She literally says out loud, oh my God, somebody left their books out here. And now I have to go return it to lost and found. And why aren't people more responsible? And I was like, um, those are my books. Please don't take them anywhere. And she quietly just left. And I thought like, that's really interesting that she just assumed that there was nobody else there. And now it's her responsibility. And she was annoyed about doing this like nobody asked you to do that it was so funny it was so funny that's a great example because at the same time like so people will would complain right like I have to do now it's up to me and now it's taking my time to go to the lost and found and you're so right you're first off like don't touch my stuff and (laughs) which is really funny um because you were like afraid of somebody taking your stuff but yeah I called it in yeah well yeah so and then it kind of released once it got manifested. So, but yeah, that it's like, you get to be super special if that's you that gets to do that and see how people need yeah. you now. Yeah. So all of a sudden, like I need, I'm needed because I need to do this. So, but again, the identity is outside. Like 
it can come up in so many different ways in in how we relate to people in our work, how we re- how our parents relate to us, how we relate to our parents, how we relate to our siblings, our friends, our lover, you know, but the the bottom line is that when we can see the powers within us and really see too that we always have a choice, the question is actually more simple. It's actually more kind of clear, not black and white, it's just clear of like, I remember a friend of mine who has definitely overcome codependency. She had her sister come to her and and, and um, she was living in Jamaica. She was coming to visit and her young sister said, hey, can you drive me to my friend's house? Like, hey, do you want to drive me to my friend's house? And she's like, who's your friend? Oh, it's this person. She lives 40 minutes away. So she's like expecting her to go drive her because she's the older sister. This is what quote unquote we're supposed to do, right? Take care. Mm-hmm drive her, wait around, come pick her up. And my friend was just like, now we're not, we're not looking underneath anything. It's like, do I, hmm, do I want to drive 30 or 40 minutes, wait and come back? No, I do not. Thank you for asking. (laughs) I will not drive you to your friend's house. And her sister was like freaking out. But here's the cool thing to, to, to think about is like, where's that line between being nice, being kind, and actually sticking up for yourself if somebody takes something the wrong way because her sister was like what you have to or like you don't love me because of that like making it a big deal yeah right and it turned out great because she my friend kept her board her boundaries like I'm not no I'm like I don't want to do that I'm not doing it it could look malicious because of that it could you know look mean but they actually all together her sister came back and then was after crying and saying, okay, can we just all get pizza? Like, it it was a really interesting moment, but I think that's what can happen when we put a boundary down based off our truth and based off what we really want. So here's the thing. If we feel like, no, I can't say that, or what I did was wrong because of how they took it, this is the litmus test between being nice and kind versus I made them feel bad or this is my fault. It's with what you said or what you feel called to do, was it a lie? Was it a lie? The next one is, was I intending to hurt somebody? Mm-hmm. And similarly, was I being malicious? Was I being, you know, totally mean in the way I said it or how I meant it? And if the answers are no to those questions, then you, it does not matter how somebody took something. That's their stuff. That's how you can tell with this kind of invisible boundary that what I said did not cause them to freak out. Mm. That's their stuff. That's in their container. I can't go into their body and make them feel a different way. That's their choice because we always have a choice. We always, you know, Viktor Frankl and the whole thing of like the last thing we have is our choice around our attitude. He's freaking right. But as people who try to be nice and stuff, we think I caused this because they're in pain. No, they're choosing to deal and they need to deal with it how they deal with it. So if if you didn't lie, if you didn't act maliciously by speaking up or saying what you need or what you want, it can bring, what's so cool about this too, bring more presence to the situation, bring more reality here. Because now we're not living in the what it has to mean or what it could have meant. We're living in reality of like, did I want to go? No. And there we have it. It takes so much energy when we think about after this was my fault. I should have said something differently. Like it's really hard to be present that way as spiritual people. And to me, this is a big root 
when we stop taking responsibility for other people's stuff, all just in my body saying that out loud, I feel like this, I feel my skin as my boundary. Like I feel we can be connected, but I don't have to take responsibility for you. I can still love you and have a border. I can still love you and have a boundary. I can forgive you and not need you to get me because like you're separate and I can, I can handle my own shit. Like so many ways. Powerful to think about like the skin as the boundary because it really makes you feel like all of your power or like when I visualize it, it feels like there's a lot of power in this body. Like there's a lot of power in this being and like to visual envision that kind of staying within like your territory feels nice. I like all that. I love everything you just shared totally. Um, this has been an awesome episode, <laughs> Colleen. This has been so great. We're like yeah. – Yeah. We're like over an hour, which is fine. But we are? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. We're at an hour and 12 minutes. Time flies. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we're going to wrap up. But um, anything you want to share before we wrap this one up? Sure. So I'm going to share maybe in the show – you guys have show notes, yeah, right? Yeah, we do. Perfect. So I'll share this little like – drop down box of like a check mark. I think it can be, it helped. It was helpful to me when I saw it. Um, we covered a lot of it, but I'll, I'll leave that in the show notes. And then if people want to know more, they can find me at colleencoles.com. Right now I have a really cool freebie of it's called everything you need to know overcoming codependency. So it's all about standards and relationships, this line between being nice and just being truthful, like um, it's really awesome. So I would definitely tell people to check that out and just, you know, follow me on Instagram and Facebook, Colleen Coles, ColleenColes.com. That's what's up. <laughs> That's what's up. Thank you so much, Colleen. Yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you. Um, yeah, this episode was awesome. Ambie, any any final thoughts? Um, no, I have no final thoughts. I'm gonna I'm well, no, I do. I'm actually gonna go set those boundaries right now with my children great great do it girl you got it all right everyone responsible for their happiness (laughs) indeed (laughs) um all right everyone we love you so much and we will be back next friday with our fourth installment of this series with colleen until next time keep on blooming bye Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambie, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within.